in the beginning i felt like there was too much chill yeah like if i woke up in a cube i would be screaming immediately you know i'd be like (laughs) this is one of those like terrible fever dreams i've had and then i just scream Okay. Or do you want to do the intro this time? What are you feeling? Um, the intro being where we introduce ourselves in the show. Yep. <laughs> uh, you go for it, Ian. All right. All right. All right. Welcome to Passive Fear. Hi, I'm Marshall. Weekly podcast. And, uh, sorry, I really wanted to do it in the end. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. I'm Marshall. And, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Marshall. And today we'll be having a look at the 1997 original Cube. Or is it 1998? I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> yeah. If you look in different places, it might say 1998. I think it may be like it had its theatrical re- release in 1998, but it was made 1997. I don't know. I, I don't know what the, I actually meant to look up that story. But yeah, I, the, it annoyed me because when you look it up, um, like the like Google review says like cube and then under it, it says rated R 1997. And then like and the second section, it specifically says release date 1998. And I was like, why? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yep. I just want answers. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah uh cute and it's it's an escape room horror film a co-written and directed by Vincenzo natali uh whom you might remember also directed and wrote netflix's adaptation of in the tall grass oh very i was i uh that's interesting because i noticed like a weird similarity between the two so that's kind of fun oh well awesome yeah yeah and Gosh, do we do teasers first now, or do we just go into it? I don't... <laughs> you just uh, tease, Ian. Let's tease us a little bit. All right, I'll, I'll tease the movie first. Five strangers find themselves trapped in a labyrinth of interconnected and identical-looking block-shaped rooms. Some safe, many deadly, all deceiving. While far from friends, these strangers will have to overcome their differences to have any hope of escape. For alone, they are doomed to be forever entombed inside the cube. You know, it's funny that you ended it with the cube because I can't stop referring to it as the cube, even though it's just cube. Because like, I even hate, the, yeah, I hate that its name is just cube, dude. Like I, that, that's not <laughs> affecting my review of it, but like, it should just be the cube. <laughs> like honestly, because like it, it is, it feels so weird going up to your friends and saying like, "Have you seen Cube?" Like it just sounds freaking stupid. Well, th- then again, I mean, if you come to your friend, you're like, have you seen the cube? They're like, what cube? Did you lose a cube? <laughs> I suppose so. But like, if you like, it just feels so painful saying, I don't know. I, I guess you do need to clarify otherwise, like either way. I think movie title, it's fine. Although for like the trailer, it's like what forever entombed inside cube. That yeah. Make a lot of sense. <laughs> 
so yeah, it's that that was that was just a little gripe I've been having about it ever since. I even when I think about it in my head, I'm like I'll just start yelling just internally about <laughs> like it's not DQ. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, uh, well, how'd you rate it? What do you think? I personally, so it falls under. Yeah, you you're talking about like what kind of theme it is, and I do agree. It kind of falls under uh, like kind of a saw theme in a manner. Um. But yeah, I would, like a, I would relate it more. I'd relate it more to this movie called The Circle um, on Netflix. Maybe it's just Circle. I don't know anymore. But, um, <laughs> but it, I, the way that it plays out, I feel like, is more of a thought game than it is like a power a game of will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I would relate it more to that than I would to, um. It's the Saw franchise myself, just in how it comes off. How, uh, so I gave it a 5.5 in the end. Because uh, okay. I okay. think that it was trying to like balance between those two genres, and I think that it didn't just quite land anywhere quite right. But I don't think it was bad by any means. Okay. Yeah, and, and, I, and I do think you're correct. Because, um, yeah, with Saw, while there is some some puzzling to it, some figuring things out, putting things together, uh, especially, I'd say, in... in later movies not not just the original um but certainly it is much more a, a power of will at the end of the day whereas this one is really sort of setting aside your will for survival and desperation for survival and having to actually think things through exactly and yeah it, it's a it's a game of the mind it's not a game of willpower so that's that's yeah but it it was still trying to kind of be about willpower. It felt like maybe I just went in there with that expectation too much. But it, mm-hmm. um, and for a game of the mind, it got really weird. I felt like, um, but we'll get into that later. How about you, Ian? What'd you rate the movie? Oh well. Um, do you remember what I gave Gravy? Did I give it a three? You gave Gravy. I think it was a three. Yes. Okay. I think I was too harsh on Gravy. By the way, <laughs> now, now that I've like gone around to it, but. um (laughs) but i i give this movie a two a two hot damn you really didn't like this movie Ian. no i really didn't um i'm changing mine to a nine no (laughs) (laughs) our most heavily debated movie uh um so when when i first started watching this movie um and I, i realized its premise all that i i realized as soon as I figure that all out, that I would only like this movie if the characters were good. Mm-hmm. Because when, when you're in this confined space, um, it's really all about the interactions between the people. Yes. And so I needed those to be good. I needed the dialogue to be good. I needed the people to be deep and interesting. I needed the characters to be relatable, something. And I really didn't get that from this movie. Like, I think with other movies, you can get away with characters not really being all that good for for example while i did not like the texas chainsaw massacre i don't think its biggest problem was that the you know uh college kid characters you know weren't very relatable or weren't very smart right Mm. like it could be frustrating but it it didn't they didn't have to be good characters for the the movie to be good um they could have done other things to make it good uh, but this movie really needed those characters to be good, at least in my opinion. And because I thought that the characters sucked for the most part, except for except for a couple, and the dialogue was terrible, <laughs> yeah, I really disliked this movie. 
And that's, I think that's completely fair. You're a very character driven kind of a viewer. And I think that, yes, if you're going into looking for characters, go find another movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> the re I think I only rated it a little higher was because this movie did come out pretty early on. Like it is even, and I'm impressed that it actually looks relative. It looks more like a, it looks like it's a bit more advanced than it is. Um, mm-hmm. Cause what, 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 I know we just debated about its release date, but when did it come out? 1997 like that's that's yeah, pretty early on it was made yeah and that's uh that was it's so it is kind of a preset to like a, a whole lot of different movies and i feel like it mm-hmm. kind of like i wouldn't say hard introduced a genre but it definitely put in the grounds for a genre to be built on i don't think we're like texas chainsaw massacre i think it truly inspired a lot that came after it mm-hmm. um i do think that this one gave someone a couple of ideas for their movie maybe like maybe the saw guys saw this and they're like yeah that's kind of neato um whereas yeah, people it, basing stuff off texas chainsaw massacre they're like i like that i want to do something i want to build on that right like with cube it wasn't quite such a heavy inspiration um yeah so yeah. i think it might get like half a point or a point in my book because of that but i must agree with you the characters were relatively bland and it was uh it wasn't just well constructed entirely. Yeah, I also just found the acting to be pretty lackluster. Yes, uh, I did find that it, it was interesting for me because I felt that sometimes the, the actors were actually decent, uh, and then other times they were terrible. Um, I mean, it it depends on the actor. One of them I thought did terribly the whole time, but. In that case, it almost seems like an issue with the director. If you have times where the actors are doing well and where they're doing terribly, it, it almost seems like they just didn't. It seems like that there are times when they just kind of were like, that'll do. And like, yeah, like, exactly. that, that good moment earlier is going to make up for that, though. Um, yeah. So I don't know what that's about, but I guess we'll get into it. Um, out of curiosity, is this one actor that uh, that you thought did pretty terribly throughout? Did he constantly uh, make strange faces with words he said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if every single word required a different emotion. <laughs> every phrase needed to be intense. But all of them required his eyes to just go to the side of his head and just stare yeah. off somewhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, our audience, Ian, they gave it a 5.4 average. Um okay so, yeah so and uh about your score yeah we had a we had a low of two we had a high of eight the only score that two people agreed on was a seven mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it, it was a bit it was a bit of a dividing audience uh amidst our viewers which i feel like you don't get crazy often um but i think it averaged out to be about what we're saying so let's uh, let's get into some further discussion after you give our uh, good summary, Ian. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go into my whole summary recap the whole movie so everyone's up to speed. After a man, last name Alderson, is killed in a mysterious cube-shaped room, five strangers—Quentin, Worth, Holloway, Levin, and Wren awaken and meet in another identical room. How many people? 
people are in this thing. No one knows where they are or how they got there. Quentin, who had already been exploring, informs the group that some rooms contain deadly traps. Listen, we can't go climbing around in here. Why not? There's traps. What do you mean traps? Booby traps. I looked in the room down there and something almost cut my head off. <gasps> Quentin also recognizes Wren as a convict known for escaping seven prisons. This guy's the Wren. The what? He's the Wren. The bird of Attica flew the coop on six major prisons. Seven. Wren removes the boots he and everyone else woke up in and retires the shoelace to just the top of the boot. Using the shoelace to pull the boots back, he figures he can test each room for traps by tossing the boots in first. Using this method, the group begins navigating through a path of safe cubes. While they continue through cube after cube, the maze is beset by frequent tremors and mechanical sounds are consistently heard. That one sounded closer. It's mechanical. It seems to come at regular intervals. Maybe it's the ventilation system. While going through a narrow passageway between rooms, Levin notices a small set of numbers inscribed within. Three sets of three digits. Serial numbers? Room numbers. They're different in each room. Soon after, Ren enters a room that he assumes to be safe and is killed when he is sprayed in the face with acid, indicating that not every trap is triggered by motion detection. Nailed. Quentin believes each person was chosen to be there. He is a divorced police officer. Levin is a young mathematics student. Holloway is a free clinic doctor. And Worth, seemingly more out of it than anyone else, alleges he is only an office worker. As Quentin theorizes that everyone is there for a reason, he realizes that Levin was left to her classes, meaning she must have a use for them. If nothing's random, why are they here? After this realization, Levin studies the passageway numbers, which seem to be unique for each room, and hypothesizes that any room marked with at least one prime number is a trap. How can you make that assumption based on one prime number trap? I'm not. The incinerator thing was prime, 083. The molecular chemical thingy had 137, the acid room had 149. You remember all that in your head? I have a facility for it. After taking on this new method of identifying safe rooms, they continued to make their way through cube after cube and eventually encountered a man named Kassan, who seems to have a mental disability. Holloway insists she can look after him and they should bring him along. This is just way too bizarre. Will you just worry about your numbers then? Go on, I'll look after him. Afterwards, Quentin enters his leg in a trapped room deemed safe by Levin's prime number theory, and tensions rise over personal conflicts and over the mystery of the maze's purpose. So what happened? You saw what happened. Quentin, I guess the numbers are more complicated than I thought. Maybe they mean nothing at all. Holloway believes it must be a product of the U.S. military, as only they could afford such a large project while Quentin believes it to be the doings of a super-rich maniac. After being provoked by Quentin due to his nihilistic attitude, Worth finally admits that he designed the maze's impenetrable outer shell, the gigantic cube containing this maze, for some shadowy bureaucracy, and guesses that its original purpose has been forgotten. They have been imprisoned within the maze simply to put it to use. 
Otherwise, it would serve to be pointless. You built this thing? Not this part, the exterior. I, I don't know anything about the numbers or anything else in here. I was contracted to draw plans for a hollow shell. A cube. Worth's knowledge of the outer shell's dimensions allows Levin to determine that each side of the cube is 26 by 26 by 26 rooms, meaning 17,576 rooms in total. She then guesses that the numbers, always in sets of three, must indicate the three-dimensional Cartesian coordinates of each room, their position on the X, Y, and Z axis. These numbers are markers, a grid reference, like, like latitude and longitude on a map. The numbers tell us where we are inside the cube. Now where are we? The group moves towards the nearest edge of the maze as determined by her theory, but eventually reach a cube where each room forward is trapped. Rather than backtrack, they travel silently through a room with a sound-activated trap. We know how it works, we just have to be quiet. It's pretty fucking quiet. I'm glad you're on side, Worth, cause you're up. After Kazan makes a sound and nearly causes Quentin's death, Quentin threatens Kazan and clashes with Holloway, who defends Kazan and insinuates that Quentin may have been an abusive husband based on his short temper and that he likes young girls based on the creepy looks he's given to Levin. No wonder your wife left you. All that bottled up anger. And a thing for young girls. Once the group finally reaches the edge, they find it difficult to see if there's an entrance in the massive shell surrounding the maze. They decide to make a rope out of their clothes and have someone swing to the edge to feel for an exit. Quentin volunteers, but the others think he's too heavy, so Holloway volunteers instead. While she's swinging, the room encounters another violent tremor, causing everyone except Quentin to let go of the rope. However, after grabbing a hold of Holloway's hand, Quentin's lip turns deceitful, and he decides to let her fall to her death. <laughs> Quentin becomes increasingly unhinged and attempts to persuade Levin to join him in abandoning the others as they're sleeping, and also makes a sexual advance. Quentin, we fit. Like numbers. A man and a woman. Two halves of the equation. But she rejects him. Worth intervenes, but Quentin beats him bloody with the boot and drops him into another room through the floor hatch. There, the group finds Ren's corpse and are demoralized by the thought of having wandered in circles. Worth then realizes that the rooms have periodically moved, which is the cause of all the tremors. We haven't been moving in circles, the rooms have! That explains the thunder and the shaking we've been shifting the whole time. Levin deduces that the set of numbers marking each room describe their original position and how they move. According to this new information, there's a temporary bridge formed between the shell and the maze at an approaching time. You remember that room we passed through before? The one with the coordinate larger than 26? What about it? That coordinate placed the room outside the cube. A bridge. Right, but only in its original position. She also figures out that trapped rooms are not tagged by prime numbers, but by powers of prime numbers, which are practically impossible to factor without a computer. However, at this point, Kazan reveals he can do such prime factorizations mentally. How many factors, Kazan? Of 567. 
What are you fucking kidding? With his help, Levin leads the group through the maze. While on their way to the bridge room, Worth closes a room door on Quentin and sets up a trap with the others to cause Quentin to fall into a room below, seemingly killing him. Where is he? Come here. I said come here right now! After finding the last room connected to the bridge, it's revealed in an immense moment of irony that that was the room most of the group met in at the start of the movie, meaning they simply had to wait for it to be in the correct position to leave. So, guess what? No. This is the room we started in. I was right. We should never have moved in the first place. Kazan opens the final hatch in the bridge room, revealing a bright white light, but Worth declines to leave the cube as he has lost his will to live and blames himself for taking part in its design. As Levin tries to convince Worth to leave with her, she is stabbed through from behind with a hatch lever wielded by Quentin, alive and angry. <gasps> Quentin then mortally wounds Worth while Kazan flees. As Quentin moves to exit out of the passageway to kill Kazan as well, Worth grabs Quentin's legs just as the rooms begin to shift again. Quentin, penned by Worth, is split in half. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kazan slowly wanders out into the bright light and the story comes to a close. Good stuff right there. That one, that one was a little difficult just because uh, there's some weird stuff to explain in it. That's a a decent bit happened, um, but for a it's decent <laughs> bit happening, I I kind of felt like th this is my main issue with the movie. Right? Is mm -hmm. I felt like there was also not enough happening in the sense of it felt like it was constantly we have a way we're doing things. Oh. That's messed up. Now here's how you... like, And it was constantly just Levin figuring out new ways to do things. And that would have been fine once or twice. But mm -hmm. I feel like they do it like three or four times. Where she realizes like, how did I not see this? And like she says it every time. She's like, I'm so stupid. How could I have not seen this? And it's like, I don't know. It seems like you really missed a lot, Levin. You should have given this <laughs> more thought in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I, And and it is, it is definitely a trend in the movie that uh, while... Like, a lot is happening. Nothing is really happening. Uh, and the movie doesn't help this fact by prolonging a lot of scenes with these weird, like, compilations of music and just panning randomly. Yeah, I was I was really sleep-deprived when we watched this. And that one, the first, like, montage they do of that where the walls are, like, bending and stuff, and, like, but they're all sleepy, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm... This is I. This is going to put me to sleep. Not out of boredom, but out of like this is weirdly like just mesmerizing. <laughs> and I don't. I don't think this is what the movie's going for. Yeah, it, it. They. I don't really know what they were going for there. Like I think obviously they're trying to show a passage of time. Right. Yeah. Like they don't want to just show us them going from cube to cube to cube to cube, like going through like twenty identical rooms, because that's not very interesting. 
Um, so instead, they try to show a passage of time in these montages. Uh, of course, there's nothing really happening in these montages either. So they're just sort of messing around with like the walls and making them go wobbly wobbly and having weird music in the background. And I don't know. I feel like maybe there was a better way to do it. I no, they I they what I would have liked to see with those montages is them like throwing that boot into the room and seeing all the terrible things that happen to their boots, you know? Um or or like maybe when Levin's doing math, you can do that that classic uh sort of meme of the <laughs> geometry like symbols appearing around her. She's exactly. thinking. But that but yeah, great. something that's not as boring yeah as just wibbly wobbly walls that's just like why this is it's just mm. frustrating to see um and oh oh go for it oh well i was going to say so i know you said in texas chainsaw massacre or the texas chainsaw massacre um you were talking about bloodletting how you know you have the the killer show up earlier and sort of slay like you know, a different group of people before you meet the actual yeah. group of people the movie's about. What's interesting is this movie actually does that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this first guy who's Alderson, because, you know, everyone has a little name tag with their last name on it. Yeah. And uh, he gets, well, cubed. <laughs> <laughs> um, like in, in the first scene, like this trap comes down and like cuts him to cubes, uh, like in that Resident Evil movie. Yeah, I I thought that was really interesting. That's that's the exact same thing I was about to say. Was we have a bloodletting, even though it's not a slasher, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily unique to the slasher genre entirely. It's just more necessary for the slasher genre. Um, I want to say mm-hmm. some Saw movies, or maybe all the Saw movies, really do the same thing. Um, yeah, but it's I think it's definitely a little peculiar to see for kind of a mind, uh, just kind of a mind thought horror movie like this. Um, yeah, and it it does establish that um the rooms are trapped and deadly. Uh and and by this point I was rather intrigued for sure. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I I I definitely was interested at that point. And that kill was also done really well. So yeah, I was like, what else do they mm-hmm. got in store for us? Um But that I think that asking what else do they have in store for us really disappointed me because we saw Yeah. A to like we saw very few traps actually. Um, mm-hmm. and most of them involved cutting. Like we, there was implied that there was a gas trap, um, something where like you just couldn't survive, and it was um, and then we saw the face melting trap. Yeah, you could almost count all the traps you see on one hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, most of them are just like you get cut up, and it's like, well, damn, and yep, yeah, I guess I get cut up. Yep, just uh, blades. So, so it, and and that and that's what Saw does so well is they're so creative. In a very scary way, <laughs> like like they come up with things that you don't you don't even know that you should be afraid of, you know. Mm. And then you're like, oh my god, that's like the worst thing ever. And then they do it again. Um, but yeah, this movie it wasn't it wasn't as creative as that when it came to when it came to the traps. No, and, not at all. Which is fine when it is more of a mind based movie. But again, like you were saying, it does kind of set you up for disappointment with that first awesome trap. Exactly, and the fun of the mind-based movie. So you said it's from the same man who did In the Tall Grass, mm-hmm. um, and the reason I thought of In the Tall Grass when I was watching this was because of that constant kind of repetition of Levin figuring out something like another level. Um, 
And mm-hmm. they do a similar thing. And in the tall grass, they're constantly like, oh, wait, but also this. Like, we also figure out dead things don't move in the grass. We also figure out the rock is mean. We also figure out that <laughs> like this and this. Like, they're constantly kind of adding more onto their knowledge. But it's fun because those things they learn really propel the story. And they really tell you more about the world. Whereas mm-hmm. um, in this, it's numbers. And she's figuring out things about numbers. So unless you're like a dedicated mathematician, you don't get the chance of trying to follow along with like kind of the figuring it out process that the characters are going through. You're waiting until it's told to you. Yeah, and I feel like even if you are a mathematician, it's not like this stuff is super complicated. I mean, it's prime. I mean, everyone knows like, you know, what a prime number is, powers of prime and whatnot. Like that, that's you know most people know what those are and like 3d cartesian coordinates yeah it's just a 3d axis and they're coordinates because three numbers yeah Yeah. it's and it's kind of funny because she almost explains it in a way where she wants it to seem complicated (laughs) and even quentin is like speak english and i'm like that was english man like that's just basic like arithmetic and geometry that was hilarious because like she was explaining it so complicated i was like i thought i knew what this was and then like she ended up like just finishing it i was like wait i still know what it is I feel like I know it better than her because I could explain it in four words instead of 5,000. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think even if like you're like a mathematician, you're going to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, so you found that out. But like the thing is they're not going to list numbers at us and then we as an audience aren't going to be looking at those numbers and be like, those are powers of prime, you idiot. Don't you see that? And it's like, that's not where yep. any like viewer's head is. It's just ridiculous to expect that. Um, yeah yeah and and also just like like in the tall grass you're putting these things together and that includes like you are sort of putting together uh, what what is all this like you you're finding out how the rock has something to do with it like why is this happening like you're constantly asking that question in this one they do ask why but they never get anywhere close to getting an answer like like that they they get the most from worth who says oh i designed part of it for some for some people who I don't know, I just got a contract. That's all I know. But you really never get anywhere close to an answer. And it's okay if you never get a concrete answer, but like it's one way that you can sort of reward the audience for following along, you know, giving them reveals, like revealing stuff about why this is here, something to intrigue us, something to interest us. Exactly. It doesn't do that. And uh, what's one thing that uh, I kept getting intrigued by, um, that was never really tied up or anything. It was something Quentin mentioned in the beginning. He's like, we all have to be here for a reason. Um, they had an escape artist. They had a doctor. They had who ended up being like human computer. They had a mathematician. And then, mm-hmm. and this is where, this is where it confuses me. They had Quentin and Worth. And uh, that tells me that, like, because the only reason they would be there is to cause that drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a reality TV show. You get the two, like, uh, people who rub up against each other wrong. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it tells me that whoever created this cube was going for more like, I want to see people. Uh, it's not like I want to test their intelligence. It's like I want to see essentially reality TV. That's that's what I'm going for right now. Um, which is cool and all, but we never really get quite an answer on that. And uh, mm. beyond that, not only like Quinn, you can kind of argue he was there for leadership purposes because um, he is the one that took charge and said, we got to do this, this and this. Mm-hmm. However, he was also simply a phenomenal douche and people would have come together without him. Um, <laughs> 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 phenomenal. Dude. 
Yeah. And that was and then Worth Worth's literally only purpose beyond uh beyond just being I I guess worthless, oddly enough, um <laughs> was that he knew he could get he could deduce the cube size somehow, which I guess ended up being useful in the end. But mm. like I still feel like those two are there for emotional purposes more than they were for practical purposes. Um and that made me ask, what was Alderson there for? I was really curious what role he would have fit in had he not gotten himself killed. Right. Yeah. Um, and was that his role? Was he supposed to just die? Like, was he supposed to be the test dummy that got killed first? Um, <laughs> what What if he was the one who really was just supposed to, like, get everyone out instantly, but, like, he <laughs> yeah. died right away or something? He, like, yeah, he, like, knew everything, but he got, like, he forgot a he, number he, or something. And so he, just, he was actually yeah. the reality TV host, <laughs> actually, but he like stepped into the wrong room and died before he could get to the contestants. He he was the Jeff Probst of the <laughs> of the cube. I will say, um, you know, since we've been ragging on the movie quite a bit, so <laughs> there are some things I like. <laughs> Their actual way that things work, um, like the way that the, the cubes move and everything, they actually set that up pretty well for the answer. Uh, they even have earlier in the movie uh, these mechanical sounds happening, and and occasionally the room will uh, there will be like a tremor inside the room, and that sets up really well for revealing that the the rooms move. It it almost seems obvious when you when you find that out. I no, I hundred percent agree that I was I was almost disappointed with myself for not realizing that the rooms are moving. Um, yeah, exactly. Because they set it up so. I think the characters feel the same way, and and that was actually really cool. That okay, yeah, the rooms move. That makes total sense, and and that's the perfect reveal, really. When something like it's something that you could have put together, but you didn't, and then you get it revealed. Like that, that's the perfect reveal, and it's really hard to pull off. So I really liked that. Um, I also liked that they used uh factors or not not factors i was gonna say factors of prime numbers but there's only well it's <laughs> just the one in the prime number um powers of prime numbers i love that they use that because it is impossible for for most humans to deduce uh, the, the factors of a prime power mm-hmm. right um just just because they they get so big so fast and then you know you have to yeah it's it's pretty much it's nearly it's nearly impossible for a human to do when you get a high enough uh exponent or high enough power uh it's even at some point it becomes almost impossible for a computer to do uh, that's why they use it in cryptography a lot um so i thought that was very clever that they used that um as as a tag for traps and then lastly, I liked that the room that ends up connecting to the bridge is the room that they started in. Yes, I thought that was all played. And the thing they did with their glasses, the glass stabbing into her foot to reveal that, that was really well done. Yes. Yeah, because that happens at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, why did they decide to break her glasses? Because, you know, that has some significance. Um, you know, if it was going to make it hard for her to see, she was going to mess something up. I don't know. But... The fact that, um, that that that's what it ends up doing is it reveals that they started in there. That was that was really well done. So, so yeah, props props for that. And I think that's um that's why the plot of this movie as a whole I f- I feel is actually quite good. I just think that the execution was not good. I I would agree one hundred percent. 
And what bothers me is that they did really well with some of those parts. And then, but like the same things weren't applied to other parts. Like they just let it go. Like we were talking about with the acting. The acting was good at some parts. At other parts, it just didn't quite follow through. And I feel like they do the same thing with the kind of creation of this whole cube, how it works. And they do the same mm-hmm. thing just like throughout the movie. Like there's just these really amazing parts, but then the same concept isn't applied to a similar thing. They just, like they just slacked on some parts. It feels like. Yeah, it does almost feel like it was half baked at mm-hmm. times. Like I feel like someone came up with this whole thing, uh, like this really awesome idea. Um, and like the idea is great, but then they just weren't able to really create it into a, really proper story yeah uh like it feels like someone came in like i have this cool idea for like a whole contraption to use to trap people and someone was like poking holes in it and they didn't want to admit that there were those holes so they just kind of said random garbledy gook and that came out (laughs) yeah and and also because i think the focus is on the actual cube and and that's where this idea really stems from it seems that also means a big lack of thought put into the characters Mm mm-hmm because all you're all you're considering is, well, how will my characters act with the cube? And so then you really lack on how the characters act with each other. Yeah. Um, which really should be the focus, in my opinion, for this sort of movie. Uh, it, it should be about the people because the environment is pretty, well, static. <laughs> um, and that can work really well, like in Saw. Like the first movie, the, the dialogue between those two characters that are trapped in that one room um, is great and i love it and it reveals so much about their characters and their life story and all that and that's like really cool even though the environment stays the same for the majority of the movie um and this movie can could do that easily uh but yeah i guess that kind of brings us to the characters so um let's start with the the guy who makes weird faces which uh by the way is quentin i like it's like people make fun of um I forget his name but the guy who played Anakin in the uh not the like or quote, I don't the know prequels how, yeah the prequels that's what that's what that's the right mm-hmm. name um yeah in the Star Wars prequels like people make fun of him uh because like he squints a lot when he acts to show intensity and I was like I would prefer that to like this weird wide eyed look he gives while looking to the side trying to be like this is an intense moment I'm just like this you just look insane <laughs> like but like not in the way you're supposed to. Just... The only time where that was appropriate and where it actually made sense within the movie uh, is when he made that look at Levin. And it was like, that's creepy. Yeah, and yeah, it is. It's a creepy look, but you shouldn't make it every time you're <laughs> thinking. <laughs> it, was his, it wasn't only his thinking face. It was his like threatening face. Yeah. <laughs> it was his like, guys, let's come together now face. It was the listen to me. It was just like everything. And I was like, dude, come on, please. Uh, yeah, so I, I I, think they missed the mark with their choice of of actor here. I'm not saying the actor's necessarily bad, but it doesn't seem like this is his role, or at least it was executed well. Um, maybe I, the character's just not that good either, to be honest. Um, to so, be honest, the character isn't written extremely well. Like, he's very two-dimensional. Yeah. Um, the only kind of like any third dimension we see of him is when he's called out on maybe being an abusive, like husband, father. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even something that his character does. It's a, another character brings that to the table for him. Um, mm-hmm. and 
I do like the character was written two dimensionally, but he was the problem was he was acted two dimensionally as well. And uh, that's coming from a guy who doesn't care about the acting super hard. Like I will let acting slide a lot of the time because I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. it was convincing enough. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't, I I don't harsh on acting too much. It's not where my focuses are. So like, I do think that that just wasn't his best performance by any means. I almost feel like uh, you could probably switch the actors of worth and, and Quentin and you might've gotten a better result. You know, I could, I could see that potentially working. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Um, Just have Quentin play a little more of a, uh, generally, quieter character mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to make sure he's intense all the time yeah that, and I, then i could see the actor of worth uh portraying that certain uh police officer like intensity that's that would be threatening and then also you wouldn't have uh the one black guy being like this terrible person who like sexually advances on young women so yeah it's it's rough to put the minority the one minority there um yeah and what I, I think that could work better just because Worth's actor seemed like he was naturally a quieter guy. And it would have yeah. gone for more of this kind of like manipulative power uh, mm. role. And then when he came out psycho, it was really astonishing because he hadn't been psycho when he was just like introducing himself. So, yeah. And, and then I think that would have worked with people putting trust. And then, you know, people put trust in him um, because, you know, he doesn't come off as as intense, even though yeah. really he is. So yeah, I, I could have just I think that would have worked way better if you just switched those two actors. Um so there you go. <laughs> no, I I hadn't thought of that. That is a that's a good thought. Uh yeah. But otherwise, so well let's look at some of the other actors. Um I think for the most part everyone is fine. We were talking uh, some in chat about Kassan and his like just the problem Yeah you get away with them or you see it in Rain Man of just like people being able to uh portray characters that are mentally disabled Mm -hmm. like but you don't need to be handicapped to play that role so Mm -hmm. it's and it's a weird gray area to navigate because i see why that's problematic um it's the same like because we don't have like with one exception we don't really have white people playing like black people or anything um of course there's tropic thunder but (laughs) oh god (laughs) um Yep, but like even Tropic Thunder got away from it because it was it was the times. Uh, nowadays, I feel like it's a little problematic for sure. And, and and Tropic Thunder did come at it from a it was like purposely comedic and it was supposed to be wrong. So all right, yeah, exactly. But still, yeah, you wouldn't see that now. No, today a movie will get torn apart and yeah. that actor would be canceled and everyone involved would be canceled today. And I think that it's a weird gray area though because. Someone who is handicapped to that nature can't really work on set like you need them to, you know, like you unless you want to spend many, many days filming um, like you, that's a lot of extra time you're putting in just because this is it's not something that you can really expect someone to do um, mm-hmm. if they had those disabilities. So like, how do you navigate that? That was a whole discussion we were having there. And it was a, it was a really interesting discussion, but someone did bring to the table that we probably should floor it for another time uh, because that's a whole discussion to have during just a movie. <laughs> yeah and and of course it's difficult because i mean neither of us really have uh you know significant uh mental disabilities so it's hard for us to speak on it um but yeah and and i think the reason why it's problematic is not mainly because the person playing him is i i assume uh not does not have a mental disability but that 
it's just hard to tell if the portrayal is is accurate or if it's appropriate. Um, and of course, the issue is it's very stereotypical. Uh, they they go with a sort of autistic savant, yeah. Um, which is just it's not. It's usually, out there, but it's rare. It's really rare. Yeah, it's exceedingly rare, and it's also just sort of how the media tends to portray um, neurodiverse people, uh, people with specific mental disabilities. Um, and so it, it can just be a little problematic to play into that stereotype constantly. Um, and I, I don't get on this movie too much about it because it is pretty old. And I think back then, you know, people weren't really, uh, you know, people were still saying like, you know, the R word and, uh, you know, we just, we weren't as big into, uh, you know, rights for people with mental disabilities and all that. So, I understand why they have in this movie. And of course, it's also a lot of people's idea of what people with autism can be like is, ah, oh, it's like a, you know, superpower. Um, and it's not like it's, you know, a, a negative thing, but it's also kind of weird to pretend that it's this, um, like it turns your brain into a computer because actually my, uh, my sister was saying for this movie, he wasn't a character. Kazan wasn't a character. He was a computer. And, and that's not really like a, a super nice portrayal, you know? It isn't. Um, and the thing is, until he... the pro, I'd say part of the problem is until we see him useful as a computer, he's a he's purely a negative force. Um, mm-hmm. He makes a sound that almost gets Quentin killed. He's difficult to... He pees in a room. He's difficult to work with. Uh, Which, by the way, was so weird, because it's like, what are you other people doing? Do yeah, you guys I, not need to pee? <laughs> Why does Kazan only have to pee? I was so confused about that, too. I was like, well... <laughs> like, I really wanted them to realize, like, hold on, he already peed in this room. Let's all just pee in this room and agree this room is the pee room. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, I I did not understand that. It seemed like they were just being really mean to him for no reason. Yeah. Which... It did. It did make me like the Holloway character better, um, just because she was the only one who stood up for this poor guy. Uh, so I don't know why everyone was being so immediately mean to him. Like I understand the whole thing of like, oh, he could be a danger with that room that makes sounds, um, just because of how his character is. But before that, man, they just really do not like him immediately. Yeah, it's he's immediately mouth hostile, and it's, it is just it's rough. It's not a it's not the best portrayal. Yeah, it also make, made me like Levin less as a character because she was like on Quentin's side of disliking uh, Kazan and kind of wanting to leave him behind. Yeah, she I, I felt like she was a little more neutral, but like she definitely didn't stand up for him or anything. And then suddenly yeah. he was her best friend when she was he had to use and it just played into yes. the problem more. Um, yep. The only person I feel like wasn't entirely guilty was Worth because he was neutral, but he was also neutral about everything. Because he didn't care about living. Um, yeah, <laughs> he was quite nihilistic. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, but he still valued other people's lives, and he valued Cassan's life even when Cassan, and like he'd valued them above his own, even when Cassan mm-hmm. wasn't a computer. I feel like he would have done the same, um, and he proved to do the same at the end uh, for both Levin and Cassan. So I mean, like I feel like he's the only one that's not entirely guilty. I guess besides Holloway, she's she's yeah. on the good side of that. Yep, yep, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the only redeeming part about Kassan, of course, is that, you know, they're all, like, blaming him and thinking he's terrible and useless, but really, he's their only way, he's their only shot at getting out. Yeah. Uh, so that's, like, the redeeming part, is that uh, they need him. 
um which of course makes sense given in like the movie like everyone's there for a reason at least supposedly we don't actually figure it out and maybe they aren't all there for a reason but you know Kassan fits into that um yeah i guess i guess just to wrap that part up um i just wish that they had Kazan play more of a character and was more of a person, um, you know, who did have a mental disability, but who could, who also played his part in their escape. Um, instead of just literally being a computer that made weird noises occasionally. If, if you want to, uh, there's a, a role of a disabled person played really well. I wish I knew the actor's name, but it's in this, uh, show called the stand is a Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. I wish I could. Um, but he's wonderful because he still interacts with people on a meaningful level. Uh, there's like a whole, there's a difficulty portrayed by him being uh, autistic. However, there's a, there's also benefit, but it's not like, it's not done in such a harsh way where people only like him when he is a benefit. People like him and they care for him and he does things that like are beneficial to the other characters and to the story to the world uh that he could do if he weren't autistic like he shares just those quality traits that anyone would and mm-hmm. it's it's a great thing so if you want a good portrayal um that i found go check out the stand mm-hmm. uh i forget where you can watch it but you can definitely watch it somewhere because i have <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so I guess that's that. <laughs> and uh, the one the one thing I want to say is there's a one scene where Quentin's holding on to Holloway and he decides to let her go. And if you take a moment and you rewatch that scene with your eyes closed, it is so obvious that he like he puts in no effort besides just blatantly lying to everybody of like convincing people that she slipped. Cause like, there's mm-hmm. just, he's just holding her. There's this long silence and she's just like, hold on. And, and then he just drops her. And like the silence is just absurdly long. And like, there's just a no question about what happened. If you were listening in. No. And then he turns around and he's just all. like, well, God damn it. She slipped. And they're just, <laughs> he just expects people to believe that. It's like, hold on. You, yeah, didn't, what? you didn't even kind of think this through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like he went like, no. Exactly. He just silence, just complete silence, <laughs> and then just comes back in and he's like, "God damn it, lost another one." Like it's just like, God. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando when he lets uh, Sully go off the cliff, and then like the person that he's with, she asks like, "Hey, uh, you know, where'd Sully go?" And then Arnold Schwarzenegger's of course like, you know, I let him go. You know, because <laughs> he just he held him over the side of the cliff and then released him. <laughs> That's great, but uh. Uh, but uh, the problem is, I think that could have been a really great moment for some really well-written dialogue of, like, Quentin kind of putting on a performance and Holloway arguing and, like, him being like, no, no, your hand. And she's just like, what about my hand? And, like, it makes it, like, her kind of rebuttals towards him acting that, like, she was slipping kind of made it sound like she was also struggling to hold on. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. yeah like, like it's like he, he starts, like, loosening his grip. He's like, oh, gosh, you know, you're slipping. And it's kind of like when you're hanging up the phone on someone you don't want to talk to. I've never done this. But you're hanging <laughs> up on the phone. Someone you don't want to talk to. And you start crinkling aluminum next to it or something. Oh, you're, you're, you're breaking up. Uh, ksh, 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 yeah. Or something. Um, just kind of do that when you're when she, when uh, he's holding Halloway above the abyss. Exactly. I, I think that would have been a great moment. Um, you build up a lot of tension there. Uh, and then, you know, 
that's how he gets away with it and how he returns to the others. Yeah, that, that would have been better. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, you're right. Her whole, like, panicked rebuttaling of just, like, saying, like, no, I'm not slipping, you're letting go. Like, her, her just selling, saying, like, no, no, my hand, no, wait, grab on. Uh, like, it, it all would have sounded so perfect. And, like, the moment mm-hmm. she realized I need to warn the others that I am, like, that I am being dropped, so I'm not slipping. She would have just mm-hmm. said, like, wait, no, but then, like, she fell, so it just sounded like she slipped. And, like, hey, that would have been perfect. That would have, I would have really, that would have given this movie, like, a whole nother, like, point, point and a half for me, had they yeah. gotten that right completely and and again that all comes down to character interactions deep character interactions and tension and all that which i think was really missing from this movie um the the kind that i can really see and relate to um so yeah totally no yeah it entirely was and at the end of the day it's it's a fun little watch i wouldn't go out of your way to watch it or anything but it's not it's not bad to watch it's it's just a fun Fun little, uh, I think it's like over two hours, isn't it? Yeah, um, uh, it's too long for what it is. <laughs> it's too long for what it is, for sure. Uh, they have some filler in there. Yeah, but uh, it's it's worth a watch if you're just sitting around looking for just random whatever to watch, but it don't go far out of your way. I guess, sh- should we go to the surveys? Let's let's do it. Um, We asked, how scary did you find this movie? unsurprisingly uh it was not too scary now four twos a couple threes and then there was one person with a six and uh i know i know our scaredy cats of the audience and i was not expecting even one scaredy cat to be like this was terrifying but like there's <laughs> it was definitely one of them shocked me um but overall just not not really a scary movie and it's not supposed to be that's fine um mm-hmm. but it was uh it was all right for a mind thought for like a horror thing, not not crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So we asked our Paz of Fear question. Uh, what aspect scared you the most, if not personally, then for the characters? And we have four options. Fearing that your allies, quote unquote, will become yet another source of danger as you see them become more and more unhinged. Waking up in an alien environment, disoriented, confused, scared, and trapped. Entering a room that could potentially kill you in one of many deranged and painful ways. Or... Falling into a seemingly endless abyss. Which of these, Ian, do you think took the cake for the scariest? Um, waking up in an alien environment. Okay, okay. And which do, which do you think just wasn't quite it for people? Which did not scare people? Falling into an endless abyss. All right, so falling into an endless abyss was the only winner. It... <laughs> every. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> the other three were equally voted on for last place. Why do you all do this to me? <laughs> Falling into an endless abyss is the one that I came up as the fourth one because I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> Gosh dang it. I, I was looking at this pie chart and I was like, there's no way Ian puts that as the last one, right? Like the only one that actually kind of took the cake. <laughs> <laughs> How many people voted for that one? Uh, that was a 57.1%, so that was four of our votes, and the other three each got one vote. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> Damn. Okay. People don't like falling into abysses. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not doing it for lots of people. Um, I'd be scared. I'd be more scared if we're going to one of these rooms that's trapped than falling into an abyss. I, I would rather fall into an abyss just because it'd be kind of interesting to feel what that's like, you know? 
Um, yeah. Whereas, but, like, I feel like getting my face acidified, like, I don't really want to know what that's like. Yeah, like, I'm okay. Like, I, I've had a little bit of acid on me. It sucks. I don't need that to go all the way through my skull. Yeah. Um, I like, by the way, when we were watching this movie, I like the point you made where uh, they got back to the room with Ren, and you're like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be that guy, but uh, that's some food right there yeah they, i don't understand why cannibalism didn't come up at all they were hungry <laughs> i would have been cannibalizing man just, i'm surprised quentin didn't just start taking bites out of him i, I mean know. oh and like what's <laughs> terrible is like i think we would have gotten to ren's room and i would have been like i'm not hungry anymore because i would have already eaten somebody <laughs> 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 like oh man we already yeah. ate worth yeah like damn God, it damn it man <laughs> Oh, he wasn't good. <laughs> um, You'd so, like something French? Yeah, exactly. You know, French cuisine. Okay. Yeah, no. So our next question was, someone was great with puzzles, another great with factors, and another great at being jerks to people. What would you bring to the table in a survival puzzle situation? Not necessarily one involving numbers. Um, I, I asked this question just kind of going for, like, you're in just kind of this weird trapped situation like they are how do you what do you bring to the table here um like what are you what, good at doing yeah or, like what are you good what at doing? will you do <laughs> yeah like and that can just be like with social interaction that can be like i'm strangely good at like putting my feet behind my head maybe that can be used i don't know it could have been anything but um, like a party trick yeah exactly uh the first person said sarcasm mostly so <laughs> please do not <laughs> enter the cube with me <laughs> Oh, he'd be like, um, gosh, who's who's that guy that we like that was in Underwater, the comedian? Like, oh yeah, T.J. Miller. I don't remember his name in there. Yeah, T.J. Miller. Was great at that. If you if you yeah. were funny like T.J. Miller in that, that'd be great. Yeah, the sarcasm's like got to be directed at the situation, not not your not your survivalist teammates. Yeah, that otherwise <laughs> things would get tense pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, Quentin Quentin might start just beating you with a boot. Yeah. Um. Another one said a 90% success rate in escape rooms, which uh, I, mean, I have a 100% success rate in escape rooms. So I've, I've been to one, but like, it's, I did it. So. <laughs> we did it. So yeah. track record. Clean. Just saying. Yeah. Um, so another says, I currently can't think of anything useful, but I know basic first aid. So probably that, which I mean, that's always handy. Basic first aid. Good on you for knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they said, I'd like to say that I would be good at keeping people calm and together, but I feel like I would freak out and bring people down with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping to know what you would bring to the table. Not what, not what well, you would clean the table, the table with. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're bringing to the table... Um, Panic. Nihilus. I, like Worth. I mean, Worth kind of brings that, right? Yeah. Trying to bring everyone down with them. That's what them. they needed. <laughs> um... Another says, definitely great at puzzles. Uh, being good at being jerks to others will only make you enemies. It's not what you want in a survival situation. And for the factoring, I mean, unless you're on a giant trap cube, that's not going to help you much. It's such a specific skill, and it'll probably be useless in most every situation. So they, they, <laughs> they took my examples and really went for it. Uh, I was going for more open-ended, but, like, good job at being good at puzzles. Uh, they kind of solved that question like a puzzle. Like yeah. Just bam, 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 bam. <laughs> just went through it, dude. Put the pieces together and called it good. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, another says having an eye for small details, which is great. If uh, we want to do some Call of Cthulhu stuff with Paths of Fear, uh, mm-hmm. a role playing game, and one of the most amazing traits you can ever get in that game is uh, what's it S- like spot sighted or something? Yeah. 
Uh, which is it, literally just you roll to look. <laughs> it's just yeah, like like and this is what you always do in in role in like in that role playing game. Like you enter a room, <laughs> At least and it's like okay, I roll spot sided, right? Like yeah. it's spot hidden. <laughs> like, that's what it's called spot hidden. That's it. I roll spot hidden. <laughs> And it's basically just looking around you to see if you see anything. And the better roll you get and the better skill you have in that, the more stuff you see. It's, it's hilarious so, how many like when, when like four people roll in a room and they like the the keeper, the dungeon master says, uh, like roll spot hidden and everyone rolls it and everyone fails and like, God damn, like we just forgot we to know open nothing our eyes. In yeah. we, just, we can't see anything. We can't even get out of here. Where's the door? It's the most hilarious thing. Uh, yeah and like, so attention for detail very important and when you're playing the keeper it's hilarious to like watch someone like crit fail their spot hidden <laughs> where like bad things have to happen and it's like you accidentally poke your friend's eyes so they can't see <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid stuff like that but having an eye for small details is great so good on you yes. for that um another one says sensing patterns which is great i don't know how, i can't i'm not good at sensing patterns i can like definitely identify a pattern but i don't know what you mean sense a pattern um, but I mean, if, when you, if you can find a pattern, that's always wonderful. Yeah. Um, we have, you find yourself waking up in a strange environment with no clue about your surroundings. What's your go-to action? Um, our first one, look for others or a way to contact others, which is great. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Others are, we're social creatures. We rely on it. Um, panic attack, cry a lot, then maybe explore. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> you're a realist and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> can we avoid either of those first two at the beginning um our second one is look around cry try to find an exit cry some more probably give <laughs> which honestly just sounds like bo burnham's like playthrough and inside it really <laughs> sounds what i was thinking yeah i don't know what to do here so i'm just gonna cry <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the door's locked so yeah. I, I guess i'll just cry some more <laughs> can't get out um. Uh, next, we have one panic. Is <laughs> I don't. You guys, you guys need to be ready for these situations more or something. I don't know. Just <laughs> panic isn't gonna help you. Um, <laughs> check for phone and other personal items, <laughs> which is I mean, like that's great that you're checking for it. Because uh, honestly, I feel like I'm the one that would be like over prepared for the situation and just expect my phone not to be in my pocket when it is. Um, it just you're just like looking for a way to communicate with other people and yeah. then your phone buzzes it's like a text from your mom you're like oh shit God, i've had for this dinner. the whole time yeah. <laughs> and then uh last one is check my surroundings and then probably die that, like that that's on one list panic check for phone check my surroundings and die <laughs> so uh wow we don't that many people are too faithful and uh their abilities here uh i'm assuming i don't have a phone or anything useful on me trying to look around to get more information about where i am is a start i'd also try to remember how i got there in the first place which is i like that you know it yeah. can be part of the puzzle figuring out how you know that yeah <laughs> they don't really do that in this movie they don't even like in saw they actually think about it and they kind of have flashbacks and like yeah. they kind of reveal it but this movie they're just like no they just they're here just wait a minute yeah. uh <laughs> i wander around assuming i'm lucid <laughs> It's, I don't know. How I guess long does that like go the on bald for guy from the beginning. Yeah, I guess maybe so. that's what he was doing. <laughs> um, I mean, I could see that really. I, I mean, mean, like, because how could you think that's real if you end up in the cube like that? I mean, that is crazy. But I, I feel like at some point you're grounded in reality. You know, 
Like you just know yeah. at some point. Like you pinch yourself enough, and you're like, all right. Um, maybe this. Maybe that's what a coma feels like. You know, just like trapped I, in a cube. I'm. I'm more inclined to have a dream and believe it's real. Like I've had this weird thing where I was like late to a test or something because mm-hmm. I dreamt that I had taken the test. Um, and then I will. I like kind of woke up but like i fake woke up my dream self woke up into another dream and then i was like oh god i dreamt i took the test i gotta go take the test so then i took the test and then i woke up for real and i was like i already took that test like twice like i don't need to go take the test (laughs) (laughs) then i was like wait i do need to take the test and then i realized my dream gave me none of the answers and i was very upset um (laughs) all that practice for nothing exactly i took like three times man i should have an advantage um the last one was gather information, but be too frightened to take action. That's a that's an interesting one. So you would need your teammates for actions. I would. I guess uh, kind of like Levin. Yeah, I would. I would be the opposite. Honestly, I would. Uh, I'd not gather enough information. I'd. I'd be. I'd be that first dude. Whatever, Aldenberg or something. I would. Uh, yeah. I just, I'd just like roam that. and just you know die. Yeah, I would <laughs> just start opening doors, going through them, uh, get cubed. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's our survey. Those are some quality answers. More, lo- we need less panic. I that's if, if I had to review our audience, like just just panic less. You know? Get a hold of yourself and then go out there and do your thing. But yeah, um, I have one final thought on the movie, and that is our beginning with our uh, what's his name? Give me his name again, bald man. Uh, Alderson. Alderson, that's it. Alderson. Uh, our beginning with Alderson, he, uh, I 100% thought we were in space, because I don't know why, but it looked like he was floating to me for some reason. <laughs> um, and that, that, that didn't ruin the movie or anything, but I was like, hold on, we're not in space. They have to climb? Uh, that was just a moment of realization for me. That wasn't too, like, it didn't hurt the movie at all or anything, but I thought that was kind of funny. And imagine that. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. That's what Cube 2 does, dude. Cube in space. <laughs> cube, now in space. Because in space, no one can hear you be dramatic. <laughs> no one can hear you open your eyes really wide. As you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, uh, any last thoughts you have, Ian? Uh, um... Yeah, obviously I'm not really a big fan of this movie. I think if you're like me and your favorite series are series are the ones that are super character intensive and where you really like the characters um, and sort of your focus is on the relationships a lot of the time, this movie is going to really suck. <laughs> Just because <laughs> the characters simply are not that interesting um, at all, any of them. Uh, so definitely don't go into it expecting that. But hey, you know, if you just kind of like the premise, you like the idea of just being trapped in identical cubes, and there's like a bunch of them, and some of them are trapped. Well, you might get some enjoyment out of it. Maybe. Thank you all so much for stopping by. We appreciate any and all of you for listening. Um, we try to do our movie night every Friday. We're pretty good about it. We took a little break, but we're pretty good about our movie nights Fridays um yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we're a little late and we release our podcast sundays join our discord if you'd love to participate talk with uh the rest of the crew and or the, and the rest of 
rest of everyone else who loves horror movies, um, you know, you can help us choose horror movies week to week that we're going to watch and all that. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, go ahead and follow that link. Um, but, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Au revoir.